The following presentation is brought to you by The Realm Network The Bob Seska Show Presented by BubbleGenius.com Hey folks, Bob here with this week's Bubble Genius Showcase Item of the Week If the Twitter toddler in the White House has you completely stressed out Head on over to BubbleGenius.com and pick up their exclusive Republican voodoo doll Featuring the face and body of our cartoon dictator this item is only available for a limited time, so get yours now. Only $25 at BubbleGenius.com, with a third of the proceeds going to support the campaigns of resistance candidates across the country. Plus, if you use our promo code BOBC at checkout, you'll get 15% off your entire order only at BubbleGenius.com. And now, let the cartoons begin. Stop whining. Broadcasting from resistance headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up. Never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Breaking news, the FBI today raided the offices of President Trump's longtime attorney, Michael Cohen, seizing records. No more porn star banking. Says Trump just has to face it this time. He's through. He's really through. Trump's really through. Cover-ups are never easy. I know, but he has to go. Trump's got to go. Go with me, go with you. It's the worst Trump can do. Says who? Bob Seska. I don't know. From our nation's capital, it is Thursday, April 12, 2018, and this is the Bob Seska Show presented by BubbleGenius.com. I am Bob. Hi. Hello, Bob. Uh, we are brought to you by BubbleGenius.com. It is the best soap in the world. Also brought to you by the Bowen Law Group and attorney Charles J. Bowen at TheBowenLawGroup.com for all of your legal representation needs. Jody Hamilton's here. Hi, Jody. Hello. Hello, Bob. Uh, Jody, of course, is from the Stephanie Miller Show and the From the Bunker podcast at from-the-bunker.com. So go listen to that. It's very informative and funny and entertaining and all of that good stuff. Uh, Jody, where the hell do we begin? Well, uh, first off, I want to correct everybody that's saying Paul Ryan was third in line. Oh, no, he's not. He's second in line. He's second in line. That's right. Because the first person's already, the president's already there. The first in line is the vice president. Second in line is the speaker of the house. Third in line is the president of the Senate, which would be Orrin Hatch. That's right. People And are, then secretary of state and on down from there. Yes. Trump is already the president. There. So exactly. you can't you can't say that he's first in line for his own exactly. job. Exactly. Even I, Dr. Rachel Maddow said it last night, and I'm like, oh, look, I'm smarter than 
she is. Yeah, I you know, I guess you could kind of a little bit thread that needle and say third because there is the president and the vice president and the speaker of the house and that makes three. Right. This is the third most powerful uh, person. So point of order, <laughs> Paul Ryan is <laughs> second in line exactly. for the presidency for now. Because right. as of uh, as of January, he is done. He's out. He's gone. And it'll He's be uh, Nancy Pelosi. It'll or, be Nancy Pelosi, yeah. Or Hillary Clinton, because you don't actually have to be in the House to be the Speaker of the House. Or, you know what? I've got my fingers crossed for Congressman Adam Schiff. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at uh, Schiff or Swalwell. Although, you know, it all depends on how they are in, in dealing with the rest of the Democratic caucus. I mean, Nancy Pelosi mm-hmm. was in there for a long time, has all of the little tricks and parliamentary procedures down pat, so she knows how to play the game. And she the sure question does. is, yeah, I mean, the question is whether or not some of these other Democratic congressmen will have the same skill set to be able to to pull that off. And, you know, I mean, I'm fine with Nancy Pelosi taking the, the taking over Speaker of the House if, 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 and don't get happy. We don't know yet. We just don't know yet. We, from this point forward, Jody, mm-hmm. we are going to stop measuring the drapes in the, in the uh, Speaker's office. That's, <laughs> we're gonna stop That's measuring, a good idea. We're going to stop measuring the gavel. We're going to stop our gavel measuring contest here. And uh, because I, I'm just, I'm still really worried that the blue wave is going to be taken for granted because we're still so far away from November. We're still so far out that it would be very easy, and we've seen this before, haven't we, where the Democrats Mm -hmm. suddenly get uh, complacent and then we're suddenly shocked because now we're in this place where we have to overwhelm the vote. We have to go over and above the usual number of votes that are required to win elections because then we have to factor in all of these electioneering shenanigans, all of these voter suppression uh, shenanigans by the Republicans, whether it's uh, uh, b- uh, purging people off of voter rolls, eliminating their uh, voter registration, uh, limiting the number of days for voting. W- what else? Voter ID, of course, mm-hmm. uh, restricting the number of voting machines in certain precincts that are high Democratic turnout precincts, et cetera, et cetera. And then on top of all of that, the goddamn Russians, the goddamn mm-hmm. Russians. So, you know, I'm just I'm still concerned that it's it's so far away and it's we just we have this pension. We have this pension for, oh, it's going to be a blue wave. Why should I even bother? Why do they even need me? I don't need I just go to work today. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to go wait in a line for an hour and a half to get in there and vote. If I, I mean, after all, blue wave, you know, blue wave. And just so everyone becomes reliant upon this. This myth that, and it really is still a myth. It's not going to be a blue wave until election people day. Vote. Yeah, right. Until people actually vote, we don't know what's happening. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, first of all, I guess right out of the shoot, uh, we should t- talk about Paul Ryan not seeking re-election in November. That's a three-year run as leader mm-hmm. of the House Republicans, and this is the guy. It's all about the budget. He's all about reducing the debt and the deficit, and and cutting back on all kinds of. Well, he he tries to do it based on cutting things that are good for people and which help people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like S chip and and Medicare and Social Security. <laughs> These are all things on Paul Ryan's chopping block. And so now uh, he ends with an $804 billion deficit 
for 2018. That's the that he's personally responsible for. Yeah, personally responsible for because this we're talking about a Republican president, a Republican Congress, and the Speaker of the House controls the House of Representatives, and the House of Representatives controls yep. the appropriations for the federal government. Mm -hmm. So, therefore. Paul Ryan is responsible for $804 billion in, in, in the uh, budget deficit for 2018. Donald Trump also gets credit for that. Uh, Mitch McConnell also gets credit for that. It's the Republican deficit. And the most infuriating thing about that is we rewind to 2009. I've told this story over and over again, so please indulge me one more time as I tell it again. I love listening to your voice because you're dreamy. <laughs> Well, when I'm talking about the budget deficit, how dreamy can that possibly be? <laughs> I'm wonky. I'm weird. Yeah, I guess you are. I, I guess I'm weird, too, because I really enjoy talking about this crap. So remember 2009 when we were in the midst of the worst recession since the Great Depression? We also were, you know, because of George W. Bush's spending that he passed in October of 2008, again, mind you, long before Barack Obama even won the election, much less was right. inaugurated and could do anything about the budget. George W. Bush passed a spending bill that spiked the deficit to $1.2 trillion. Another $200 billion were added throughout the course of 2009 based on Obama spending, but $1.2 trillion of that number, of the total $1.4 trillion deficit at the end of 2009, was George W. Bush and the Republican Congress that passed that legislation in 2008, giving us that budget. So when Barack Obama was inaugurated and wanted to lift the, the economy out of the Great Recession, everyone said, oh my God, we can't do this, it's an, it's an emergency, we're going broke, we've got these huge deficits, we've got this huge debt, we can't spend any more money on, you know, stimulating economic growth, we can't do that, so let's have more tax cuts, why don't we do that? Well, it turned out at the time, in which this is always the case, that every dollar spent on tax cuts only gets like an 80 cent or less return on that dollar. So it's mm -hmm. a terrible investment. You end up losing at least 20 cents on the dollar when you uh, pass tax cuts and then hope for economic stimulus based on that. So what Barack Obama wanted to do instead was spend a lot of money on infrastructure. He did spend money on the largest tax cut for middle-class earners in the United States, for middle-class Americans in the history of the United States. Mm -hmm. That was part of the stimulus package, which, Jody, the Republicans opposed. They opposed it vocally. Oh, yeah. They said it was the, the beginning of socialism in the United States. They were leaning on the Red Scare button. We're becoming communist Russia. We're becoming, uh, oh, yeah. And then they also freaked out about the fact that uh, Obama's advisors were known as czars. Czars, yes. Czar. Remember that? That was like an indicator that, oh, my God, Barack Obama, he really is communist, even <laughs> Even though czars were pre-Soviet mm -hmm. and didn't match. But you know what? I am really into the idea of bringing back that colloquialism to say mm -hmm. that Donald Trump. I mean, why don't we do this, Jody? From now on, why don't we just all start referring to Donald Trump's advisors, all of his White House advisors, as czars? I love it. Because that's what... Because I mean, they are... Yeah, they, they are czars, one, two. This was a term that was invented by the press. This was a shorthand mm -hmm. term invented by the press years and years ago. I think it was during the Ronald Reagan administration. Yeah, I think when he started with his drug war, I think they called it a drug czar. Yeah. And then some other advisors were referred to as czars. And then, of course, Barack Obama comes in, hires a bunch of advisors to advise him in the White House. 
and uh, the press is referring to them as czars, and the Republicans, because, you know, they are so rational and logical. So, oh my God, look at all the czars. He's a commie. Right. Wrong, 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 wrong. 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 So, uh, so that was one of the many things that happened while Barack Obama was trying to pass the stimulus to get us out of the Great Recession, and also then eventually to pass the Affordable Care Act, which was, by the way, deficit neutral. Now, if you look at the charts in terms of economic growth and economic stimulus, the moment that stimulus plan was signed by the president in March of 2009, you can look at the hemorrhaging ending with job losses and job gains beginning at that point. And then also economic growth quarter to quarter to quarter began in earnest at that point too. So you can actually look at the chart and see, you can put your finger on the watershed moment where everything was going to shit and then the stimulus passes and everything goes really, really well. So I digress. So we were at $1.4 trillion on the deficit as a result of mm-hmm. this George W. Bush era spending at the beginning of the recession. Some uh, Obama spending in there, too, but not, I mean, hardly at all the entire amount of the deficit. From that point forward, for the next four years, the deficit steadily went down and down and down and down. And Mitt Romney in 2012 during the 2012 presidential campaign, began accusing Barack Obama of doubling the deficit. Mm -hmm. This is something that he said repeatedly. He said it in that first horrible, sorry, trigger warning, that horrible debate in in Denver where we thought, oh my God, where's the president? (laughs) Is the president napping? What's going on with the president? Well, he was debating somebody that he didn't know at that point that he hadn't prepared for because Romney completely changed his tactic. Yeah. Well, the the takeaway ultimately was um, Barack Obama first underestimated the amount of lying that Mitt Romney would do in that debate. And Mitt Romney was lying all over the place. One of the big ones being that Obama doubled the deficit when in fact... By the time Obama was inaugurated in 2013 and in the subsequent months, the deficit actually did get cut in half. I mean, it was half Mm -hmm. the number that it was when Barack Obama took office. That is astonishing, especially knowing that the Republicans were going around saying, oh, yeah, he doubled the deficit. Totally, Mm -hmm. totally doubled it. But he didn't. He did. And by the time of his at the end of his two terms as president, the deficit had been reduced by a trillion dollars. Dollars. By the time he stepped out of the the White House to to drag Donald Trump and Melania up to Capitol Hill in that limo for the inauguration, the deficit had been cut by a trillion dollars. That is amazing. Despite all of the Republican screaming, despite all the Republican demagoguery, despite everything that Donald Trump himself had said on the campaign trail in 2015 and 2016, we were looking at a budget deficit that was like, I don't know, 2% of GDP. It was astonishingly low. And it's mm-hmm. not like I'm in support of, of low deficits. I'm not necessarily a deficit hawk. I'm only a hawk when it comes to just flagrant hypocrisy. Just that mad. <laughs> yeah. Just maddening amounts of, oh, oh, you doubled the deficit? Well, no, the numbers here, math doesn't lie. Math, well, you're lying, but math doesn't lie. Oh, no, you totally doubled. And then what do they, they also do? One of the Republican tactics they love to wheel out is confusing the deficit and the debt. Where the debt did yes. go up. I mean, the national debt did go up higher and higher during the uh, Obama years. But 
the deficit. He also put the wars on our budget, too. Yeah. Um, and so that just added trillions of dollars that were, from interesting accounting, were not added to our debt, even though technically it was part of our debt. He added that back in because he was more honest about it. And so that, everybody's like, oh, look at what happened. But debt is not necessarily a bad thing. It depends on how big it is, but it's not yeah. necessarily a bad thing because that's how we can save money as citizens. Right. So the whole deal with that is that a lot of the drivers of the debt throughout the Obama years were holdover spending programs from the Bush years. Medicare Part mm -hmm. D was off the books or, or was never paid for. We should put it right. that way. Uh, as you said, the Iraq War, the Afghanistan War were off the books in a lot of ways during the uh, George W. Bush years. So when you factor all of those things in, plus the impact of the Great Recession on the overall economy, you ended up with quite a bit of debt racked up there. But, I mean, that said, Barack Obama was responsible for the lowest spending growth in the history of the presidency since Eisenhower. I mean, some right. astonishingly low number of spending growth during the Obama years. And then you combine that with the fact that, uh, well, there was also the... Uh, uh, what was it? The sequester. Well? That's what you're talking oh, about. The, the sequester. sequester. Yes, thank you. Sequester. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Sequester. And aren't we still under that to some degree with some federal jobs and stuff? Aren't I, some people still under that? I think that's definitely the case. I think we're still seeing bits and pieces of that. Although I think uh, Donald Trump rolled back the defense sequester. Right. Well, so, of course. yeah, he's increasing defense spending there. So, so ultimately, what we're looking at is a Speaker of the House who was a budget hawk from the very beginning and is now leaving office with an 800 and something billion dollar budget deficit. So good job. Good, good well, job, Paul he, Ryan. You're a pro. But he didn't get to do his favorite things, which was kill Medicare, Medicaid and Social Security and privatize all three. So he really didn't get to do what he wanted. No, he didn't. But I mean, you know, that's another thing that he's going to walk away from. And, and also, I, I hope he's remembered as someone who was maybe one of the worst house speakers in the history of the speakership. Uh, well, he compared himself to Tip O'Neill, who had been there for decades. Yeah. And it's like, and did a lot of good work and worked on both sides. I mean, he was, you know, he had to work with Democrats and Republicans and, and it's like, and he did a lot of, of good work with, with us. And, and so for him to compare himself after only three years yeah. and, and couldn't really get his own caucus together, <laughs> caucus, um, <laughs> <laughs> caucus, yeah, caucus, really funny. Thank you. Well, and the, you know the taint people that have to go in for the Michael Cohen stuff says who? Um, says who? But he worked with the people that he had to work with. He worked mm -hmm. with everybody that he to get work done and to make the compromises that you have to make to get government doing what it's supposed to do. And how dare Paul Ryan compare himself to Tip O'Neill? Yeah. I mean, the thing that I think Paul Ryan's ultimately going to be remembered by is uh, the fact that he just shut up and, and sat on his hands while Donald Trump and not only annihilated the country, annihilated the presidency, annihilated the executive branch at large, but at the same time, annihilated the Republican Party. As, uh -huh. the, as the Speaker of the House of Representatives, Paul Ryan is one of the heads of the Republican Party, one of the chieftains, one of the higher-ups in the entire party organization. Second in line for the presidency, as close mm -hmm. as that. And, well, yet, and he runs one. Of, he's runs one of the two houses of Congress that he's got a lot of power, and he wasn't utilizing it. No, not not at all. He's just he's so concerned about Donald Trump being mean to him on Twitter that he's just like, I ain't saying nothing. I'm not. I'm not going there. You know. You know. Just let. We don't respond to tweets. You know. Just like, oh, Jesus, God. Yeah, have a little bit of a spine. 
Have a little mm-hmm. bit of a spine, Paul Ryan. In fact, you know what? I, I got so wrapped up in the budget talk, I forgot the Paul Ryan music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paul Ryan's music. Eddie. Yeah. So, uh, so Paul Ryan is out. I, you know, there's still a lot of speculation as to why he was so vocally denying the fact that he was going to be uh, resigning and not running for re-election. He did that for Wait months. Wait for that lobby gig. Yeah, but you know what? It, it just—it was weird how this came down right after the CBO released its budget uh-huh. report. Right after they released those numbers that we're going to be looking at trillion-dollar deficits throughout the Trump administration, throughout the Trump years, which we, uh, you know we hope that it ends sometime <laughs> next January when. Yeah. Fingers crossed and don't get happy. The Democrats take over Congress and and then we basically just have a standoff when it comes to uh, to government spending. So but needless to say, you know, that report came out from the CBO a couple days later. Paul Ryan's like, bye bye. Bye. He's such a coward. Okay, so uh, meanwhile, this was the I thought this was the biggest scoop of the day. And it comes to us from Muggsy, Robert Costa. And, you know, (laughs) I got to tell you, hello, you know, it it was. It was not too long ago. I would say it was about a year ago when Kimberly Johnson and I started referring to Robert Costa as Muggsy. And then a few times we called him Muggsy and, uh, on Twitter. And it's just as a term of affection. We weren't really criticizing him. He just seems like an old-timey newsy. Like he should have right. like a, a fedora with the card in it that says press on the side. And then right. he should, he, like he's, in, he's on Capitol Hill and he gets a scoop and he runs to a bank of pay phones. Hey, and he <laughs> calls it into the secretary there to... The Washington Post, and then you know, it just acts generally like a journalist from the 1940s. That's Muggsy, right? right? And right. so, uh, we started referring to him as Muggsy on Twitter, uh, while tagging him with a, you know, with some of the scoops and articles that he had uh, published. And I got to thinking, I hope he doesn't take that as something negative, like a criticism, like a cut down, because it wasn't meant to be that way it was actually a term of affection because i i like robert costa as a reporter i like his appearances on msnbc but suddenly from that point forward and it may have nothing to do with what we were calling it may have nothing to do with mugsy that nickname but he started losing weight precipitously (laughs) and and last night on rachel maddow it looked like he was about to disappear we both said okay well now now he's got to have some donuts and some ice cream because now it's getting almost, he's getting to that point where, remember when Shepard Smith lost a bunch of weight? And yeah. He, and he just looked like a shell of a man. Well, Muggsy's getting to that point. And so I got to thinking, did he take Muggsy in a negative way and then suddenly develop like an eating disorder because people were calling him Muggsy on Twitter? And so I don't know. I, I just think I'm being paranoid. I think I'm being overly... Uh, <laughs> Maybe he went to the doctor and got weighed. <laughs> that could be. It could entirely be. And that's probably the logical explanation. It could entirely <laughs> be the fact that he just decided, hey, I- I'm I'm hosting my own show on PBS now. I, I probably should get myself together. So maybe that's why he lost a bunch of weight. <laughs> but now if, if he's listening to this podcast, he's going, oh, I was never, I, what? What are you talking? I was fat. I was fat a year ago. What are you talking about, you asshole? <laughs> but no, I mean, that the Muggsy nickname was never about his weight. So anyway, so Muggsy had this big scoop from last night that uh, Steve Bannon pitched this insane mm-hmm. plan to the White House, to Donald Trump about crippling Robert Mueller. Uh, not literally, but crippling the investigation. Here's the three-step plan from Steve Bannon. 
The first step, these people say, people inside the White House, would be for Trump to fire Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. Well, we know that that is probably going to happen. Then the next part of the plan, Bannon is also recommending that the White House cease its cooperation with Mueller. So, so far, we've heard that Donald Trump and his lawyers, whoever they might be, have been turning over documents and cooperating with the spe- oh, excuse me, with the special counsel. So, uh, Bannon says Trump should stop cooperating with the with Mueller on this. And then the third part of the plan is he's telling associates inside and outside the administration that the president should create a new legal battleground <laughs> to protect himself from the investigation by asserting executive privilege. And arguing that Mueller's interviews with White House officials over the past year should now be null and void. So the assertion of executive privilege would take place immediately and retroactively. I don't see how that is legal. No. This is where we get into constitutional crisis territory. Mm -hmm. Where Mm -hmm. Donald Trump suddenly exerted executive privilege and saying every bit, every word spoken by White House officials up until today, through including today and ad infinitum, into the future, is now guarded language. You can't use any of that in court. That is a under that falls under the umbrella of executive privilege. And so, of course, this would go to the Supreme Court. And I'd like to think that the Supreme Court would see the rule of law as winning out in all of this and say, well, you can't you can't exert executive privilege retroactively. That's insane. So, no, you can't. I mean, that's just, it's ridiculous. It's, you can, okay, for instance, with the Hillary emails, um, you can retroactively make something unclassified and or classified. Yeah. Depending. But in general, you can't, I've talked to, I've talked to the prosecutor. He has this information and this evidence. Done. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. So. I mean, they can classify it, but they can't make it privileged information. Yeah, no, they can't because it's already been entered into the record. You can't. Exactly. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know exactly what the ramifications of this are, but I imagine that this would get challenged immediately by Robert Mueller uh, to the Supreme Court. Or I think maybe it would go to some, it would go to a judge originally in in D.C., I believe. And then it would go probably to an appellate court and then up to the Supreme Court from there. So it would go through channels. But nevertheless, once it got to the the end game, which is, you know, the, uh, the court, uh, the Supremes would say, no, 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 you can't do I, I would do hope that. so, because it, the thing is, is if, if he got away with it, then who else will get away with it that has done something as bad or worse potentially in the future? Oh, so yeah. it's just, it would be bad precedent to set for any future potential dictator. I mean, <laughs> it's just like, Jennifer Rubin, I believe, last night on Matto was like, she was laughing at that idea. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Well, you know, here's my takeaway on all of this, which is this might actually be some, uh, you know, what do you, whatever you want to call it, a head fake, part of a, a way to establish some kind of expectations with Republican congressional leadership. Uh, if this is a way to say, you know, you, you go into a negotiation and you always overreach beyond what you actually want to settle for. So if you go into a negotiation and you want $10,000, you want to walk away with $10,000 out of a negotiation, you ask for 15 and then it gets negotiated down to 10, which is what you wanted originally, and so you end up walking away with 10. This may be a situation where they're going, 
hey, let's come up with something really crazy and extreme so that when we do something that's lesser than like firing Rod Rosenstein and doing that alone, being maybe a little bit more conservative in terms of what we share with the special counsel, then the Republican leadership in Congress would basically just go, oh, well, is that all? Okay, go ahead. Go do what you need to do. Whatever. What? Well, and uh, legally speaking, he can fire Rod Rosenstein. Yeah, he totally can. He can fire Rod but Rosenstein he anytime he wants. Yeah, he can do that. That's the serves at the pleasure of the president. He can fire anybody down the line and appoint somebody else that might fire Mueller. Yeah, right. Because Rosenstein and, and subsequent people are the only ones that can fire. Jeff Sessions probably could, but that would really look bad since he's technically recused himself from this. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, anybody that he appoints in Rosenstein's place can fire Mueller. The problem is, is he keeps appointing people that are upholding the law. Right, right. Like Christopher Ray. I mean, Christopher yeah. Ray has done, from all indications, Christopher Ray has done a fine job at uh, at the FBI. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rod Rosenstein, who's also a Trump appointee, has mm-hmm. been doing an outstanding job, at least mm-hmm. in terms of Russia, to the point where the, Rod Rosenstein, I think, is one of the real heroes in all of this investigation because he has stood up to Trump. He has not wavered in the slightest with regard to uh, approving things like that raid uh, <laughs> on Michael Cohen the other day, which was just fantastic i says who i just love the idea that uh michael cohen probably crapped himself a little bit when the fbi came barreling through his front door i just love that uh so what happens is is he does you know bannon sets expectations trump does something a little less and then the congressional leadership goes well you know maybe we'll just let him do that here's the problem though with firing rod rosenstein who who steps in into rod rosenstein's job I mean, I don't know. It could be, obviously, the third in command of justice, whose last right. name is Francisco. We talked about this on uh, the show on Tuesday. But if he appoints someone from the outside, that person's going to have to get approved by the Senate. And, of course, those confirmation hearings are going to be insane. It's going to be just like everyone's going to have the same question. Are you going to fire Robert Mueller? What's your opinion of Robert Mueller? Uh, mm-hmm. Are you going to protect Robert Mueller? And, of course, the answer, if, if whoever it is wants to be confirmed, they're going to have to say, oh, no way I'm firing Robert Mueller. And they'll say, oh, well, can we make a deal? And they'll we'll say, yeah, well, I guess we have, we have to make a deal um, or not. I mean, that's also a possibility that this appointee just d- declines to answer those questions like some you of mean, them like What's her face today uh, with the answer on Brown versus the board? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly like that. Or some kind of exertion of whatever. You know, we've seen a lot of Trump administration officials refusing to answer questions because mm-hmm. I believe because they've signed NDAs with Trump, even though they might not be legally enforceable, but that might be why they're not answering. So, I mean, it is possible to get around that, to, to work out some deal where whoever replaces Rosenstein ultimately ends up firing. Mueller, but it's very unlikely that that person would get confirmed knowing that information. So, yeah. and we would already be in the midst of a of a constitutional crisis at that point. I think uh, this law. I mean, we're also talking about we're also looking at a law now that might be passed. It's a bipartisan piece of legislation. You know, I guess uh, uh, Cory Booker is a co sponsor. Lindsey Graham is a co sponsor, and it would be designed to protect Robert Mueller. I think eight Republicans are already on board, which I th- they only need a few more to make it veto-proof in the Senate. Yeah, and in fact, I believe Comey has already, not Comey, but uh, Grassley has already scheduled a vote yeah. mm-hmm. on uh, on this particular piece of legislation. So we'll see how that all uh, works It'll out. It'll pass but. the Senate with eight, with eight 
Republicans, it's passing the Senate. Whether it's veto-proof is a you know different, but it, it's going to pass the Senate if it goes to the floor. If McConnell lets it go to the floor, yeah. And then the big question is the House of Representatives, which is extraordinarily wacky. They don't know what the hell yeah. they're doing over there, and it's very likely to. Uh, well, it's, there's a, a strong potential for it to die in the House, uh, where things usually go to die. But you know, you never know. I mean, who knows what uh, what Paul Ryan's going to come up with. Uh, now that he no longer has to worry about getting reelected. Uh, by the way, Iron Stash, Randy Bryce is probably going to end up winning that seat. Fingers crossed. Oh, I mean, yeah. don't don't get happy again. But Don't get happy. I think he was going to win anyway. It would have been harder for him to win, but I think he will win that seat. I, I can't imagine who... <laughs> the Republicans have five minutes to put somebody up. Yeah, I know. And they've, all they've got is that uh, that guy on a motorcycle, that white supremacist who was yeah. getting out on a motorcycle last time. So he can hang out with the guy from Illinois, yeah. who's a Nazi. Right. So the two of them can just hang out together. See, I mean, they're talking about trying to replace Paul Ryan now. Like, why is he going to wait until January? Yeah. So uh, we'll see how that all goes. Anyway, uh, okay, I, I think we should uh, take a break here, talk about uh, eHarmony, and then when we come back, i got to talk about Ron DeSantis and the re- most ridiculous tweet of the day yesterday <laughs> with regard to this latest dimension in the, uh, in the uh, Cohen raid. Says who? So we're going to talk about that in, in just a few minutes, and it has to do with the Access Hollywood tape. So we'll uh, mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in just a second. But first, uh, y'all might know my friend uh, Frederick Pogue, uh, comedy Fred. He's the guy who's responsible for Ches participating in panel. He's the guy <laughs> at the, who invited me and Ches out to uh, Eastern Tennessee State University to do a panel, and we all became friends at that point. And uh, I've asked Fred Pogue to be my guinea pig for eHarmony. As you know, uh, Kimberly Johnson and I met on Facebook, and now we're in a relationship. I would not recommend looking for relationships on Facebook, but sometimes <laughs> sometimes it could happen. What I do recommend is trying eHarmony, and uh, beginning in a couple of weeks, we're going to get our first report from Fred Pogue in terms of his experiences uh, signing up and, and trying the, the online dating thing on, uh, on eHarmony. But if you've tried online dating... Chances are you've experienced lazy text messages, dead-end conversations, and random matches that don't turn into dates. Or you've learned that just looking at someone's picture doesn't help you get to know them. eHarmony is not like other dating sites. It takes steps the others don't to help you find a more compatible match. eHarmony is not some shallow hookup site either. It's about lasting, meaningful relationships. eHarmony's helped over a million people find their perfect match using years of uh, scientific data and psychological research. And right now... My listeners can get a month, an entire month of eHarmony for free when they sign up for a three-month subscription. Just enter my code BOBC at checkout. Stop waiting and start your journey to a satisfying and meaningful relationship. It can be uh, fun to play around with online dating apps, but when you're ready to fall in love with someone and have a meaningful relationship, there's one app that's built to bring you real love, eHarmony. Come see how eHarmony can change your life. Go to eHarmony.com and get started. And be sure to check my uh, promo code BOBC at checkout. Go do it right now. The Bob Seska Show. The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Welcome back to our Thursday show. Jody Hamilton's here from the Stephanie Miller Show and the From the Bunker podcast. Uh, okay, uh, usually I talk about Amazon.com right here in our Amazon link, so make sure you go shopping through our Amazon link at bobseska.com. But what I want to mention here uh, while we have a chance is we need some help on iTunes. 
You have to go and you have to subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review for the show. That's your homework assignment over the next few days. Go to iTunes if, you, uh, if you're all hooked up with iTunes. You don't need to download the, uh, the software or anything like that. It's right there on your computer. If you need to download it, you can just do it at iTunes.com. And then you go to the podcast area, and in the news and politics section, you'll find the Bob Seska Show. Go and subscribe for free on iTunes. None of this costs you any money. And then, you, uh, and then obviously, you like the show, I hope. So say, say why you like the show in the uh, reviews section. So you can also just give us a uh, five-star rating. If you don't want to write a review, that's fine, too. But go and do that. That helps our standings on the iTunes uh, rankings, and, uh, and we thank you for doing that. Okay, so the Cohen Raid also had to do, we learned this uh, just yesterday, the Cohen Raid also had to do with the Access Hollywood tape. Mm-hmm. And everyone's going, well, what does Access Hollywood have to do with the Russian collusion, idiots? And I, well, okay. First of all, we're not talking about the Mueller investigation. That's right. Separate investigation completely. Right. Point number one. Point number two is oh, hey, <laughs> the Access Hollywood tape. Wasn't that followed closely by a huge document dump of emails on WikiLeaks by Julian Assange? Bunch of John Podesta emails that were dumped into public view 30 minutes after. The Access yep. Hollywood uh, story broke with the pussy grabbing mm-hmm. and all of that crap. So, for example, uh, Congressman Ron DeSantis uh, tweeted yesterday about the Cohen raid. What the heck does Access Hollywood tape have to do with Russian collusion? The investigation is a fishing expedition. Damn it. Well, he didn't say damn it. I just threw that in there. So you have to ask yourself then, well, I guess reading comprehension isn't a requirement for being a member of the U.S. Congress. Because he clearly can't tell the difference between an investigation by the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York and an investigation by Special Counsel Robert Mueller. Two separate, they're separate things. Yes, they're both under the Department of Justice, but they are separate investigations. Mm -hmm. So, reading comprehension is your friend, Ron DeSantis. Please (laughs) learn it. And also, by the way, by all means, keep mentioning the Access Hollywood tape, Republicans. Every chance you get, mention the Access Hollywood tape. While you're at it, keep mentioning Russia and collusion, too. Please do. Yeah. The way to reinforce something that you allegedly hate. So we, right. we thank you. We thank you for all of those great mentions. Oh, and the Access Hollywood tapes release was followed by, yeah, uh, by the Podesta email dump. 30, again, 30 minutes later. So no wonder they're looking at the Access Hollywood tape as it relates to Michael Cohen. So, so- maybe this guy, maybe Trump's fixer had something to do with the timing of that. Because I'm mm-hmm. sure someone within the Trump campaign had to alert uh, WikiLeaks when it was the right time to dump all of these files. Could have been Roger Stone. Maybe it was Roger yeah. Stone. Maybe it was Michael Cohen. Maybe it was uh, someone else. A combination. Maybe. It could have been Michael Cohen talking to Roger Stone, Roger Stone talking to Michael Cohen, Julian Assange talking right. to everybody. Right. Um, meanwhile, okay, this is going to be the biggest, this is the, the thing that's going to carry the news through the weekend and uh, into the first couple of days of next week. James Comey's going on 2020 this weekend. Yeah, and I can't wait. I'm going to actually stay up late and watch that. One of the things he said is he compared Trump to a, a mob boss, mm-hmm. which is uh, not too far afield. I would say that's pretty accurate. So maybe that's Trump's new music right here. Uh, although The Godfather was way smarter and savvier yes, than Donald yes. Trump could ever hope to be. Donald Trump's such a flaming idiot. There's no way you could put him on the same 
the same level of intelligence as uh, any character from The Godfather, for that, including Luca Brasi. Uh, <laughs> way dumber than Luca Brasi. He's, I think he's dumber than Fredo. I swear, <laughs> yes, maybe, maybe, maybe he's right there at Fredo level. He's, he's, you know, it, it's, it all depends on how you look at Fredo. The question is, Jody, was Fredo dumber than Luca Brasi, or was Luca Brasi dumber than Fredo? Oh, I, I'm going to have to reread the book on, to get back to you on that. On your daughter's wedding day, may, <laughs> may your first child be a masculine child. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Comey and Stephanopoulos spoke for, get this, five hours they were talking. This interview went That's on That's a nice interview. Yeah, and, and they're only going to be able to, uh, what, air like an hour of that? I mean, what are they going to yeah. do with the other four hours in which there was probably all kinds of other juicy stuff being dropped all over the place? Maybe they've got to deal with him that, you know, hey, you want to, who knows? They might do it online, air yeah. the rest of it unedited. Um, who knows? Uh, but yeah, having that kind of tape, Glory, I'm glad there's a tape. Um, yes. uh, having that kind of tape is amazing that Comey sat there for that long. Yeah, Jesus. I, I, I'm not surprised, though, because he's got a lot of information to dump yeah. that he wants, to get, he wants to get out there. Some of it he can answer, I'm sure. Some of it, a lot of it, I'm sure, he can't answer of at all. Of course not. It's classified information. He can't, he can't delve into that. But, right. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, did he read the book? On, did he just read it out loud? <laughs> Is that the five yeah, hours? That might be it. That might be why it took five hours. But <laughs> It's his know, book on tape. Meanwhile, John Kelly reportedly told Comey, and this is a bit of information that we might learn on 2020, John Kelly told Comey that Trump was dishonorable, which is the understatement of a lifetime. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Dishonorable would be the first in a long list of things that Trump is, uh, negative things, I should say. Meanwhile, the RNC is lining up to uh, discredit James Comey. They've uh, mm -hmm. they've created a website called LionComey.com. So the <laughs> RNC going all in with Donald Trump. You know, uh, going back to uh, Paul Ryan for a second, there was that photo last night. Oh, my uh, God. That was just so weird. Yeah, where the very night that we hear that Steve Bannon was in the White House uh, relaying a strategy for how Donald Trump could stop Robert Mueller, the entire Republican leadership comes over to the White House to dine with Donald Trump. I believe they had dinner with him. And then they all went downstairs and they all compared thumb sizes, which was weird. So they have a picture of them all saying, hey, look, who's got the bigger thumb? And of course, Paul Ryan's got a bigger thumb than Donald Trump's thumb. Well, uh, Trump has a very small thumb, is from what I understand. Yeah, it's almost like he can't stick it up all the way. It's like stuck to right. the side of his... It's like he his thumb was glued to the side of his hand and that's all he can do is to... <laughs> Give that little bit, the little end bit he can stick up because he's got the bendy thumb too. So he can bend that last part, that last digit, that last part of his thumb way up, but then he can't get the rest of it up. Uh, like it's other teeny things. tiny, it's a teeny tiny tip of top little, little teeny tiny nub of the thumb there on Donald <laughs> Trump. Uh, so they compared thumb sizes and I'm wondering if they talked about, I wonder if they talked about James Comey. I'm wondering if they talked about the Russia investigation. I'm wondering if they talked about Steve Bannon's strategy. Like, okay, here's here's what I'm going to do. We're going to let this get out. We're going to leak this Bannon thing. And then when I do something lesser than, you guys just go, oh, well, I guess that's not so bad. And that seems to be uh, maybe what was going on. But 
I'm really glad to see, though, that the congressional leadership, the Republicans, uh, are lining up with Donald Trump now and taking their mm-hmm. picture with Donald Trump. Remember that picture of John McCain hugging George W. Bush? Yeah. Remember how the Democrats used that in every single attack ad throughout 2008? Our friend Cliff mm-hmm. Schechter wrote a book about John McCain. It was called The Real McCain. And the photo he used for the cover was John McCain hugging George W. Bush. That picture haunted John McCain for, I don't know, what, a year and a half, for God's sake, that that, that picture was rolled out as saying, John McCain is going to be George W. Bush part two. And so that was that argument was able to be made just by using that illustration. And so the Republican leadership was up there in, in the White House having their picture taken with this goddamn crook. And I hope the Democratic strategists who are organizing the campaigns for the fall have saved that photograph and are inserting that into every ad they can find, saying the Trump Republican Party to tarnish the entire Republican Party with this treasonous criminal. I hope they're smart enough to do that. Meanwhile, the RNC is creating this Lion Comey website. Oh, God. I know. Well, here was here was my... I don't know what your frustration of the hour is with Donald Trump, Jody. I mean, every, <laughs> every hour there's something that is just infuriating me about Donald Trump. Well, yesterday he tweeted two different things about uh, a collusion. It was about Russia. No collusion, no collusion. No collusion, so they go crazy was one of the parts of it. But here, the first tweet went like this, and I'll read these two tweets. These are back-to-back tweets by Donald Trump from yesterday. He first tweeted, Our relationship with Russia is worse now than it has ever been, and that includes the Cold War. And I, that- I know, I was like, what? <laughs> No, 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 really? no, 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 no. It's not. It's not. It's, during the Cold War, we had thousands of nuclear weapons aimed at each other, ready to launch at any goddamn second. It was the worst situation to possibly be in short of a shooting war. We were doing drop drills here in Los Angeles until after Vietnam ended. So, yeah, uh, a yeah. bit scarier. Have you seen the day after? Hello. 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 Trump, Hello. Exactly. Our relationship with Russia is worse now than it has ever been, and that includes the Cold War. And then he writes, there is no reason for this. There is no reason. Remember the words, no reason for this, when I read the very next tweet. <laughs> Much of the bad blood, this is the next tweet. This was an hour later. Much of the bad blood with Russia is caused by the fake and corrupt Russia investigation headed up by all Democratic loyalists or people that worked for Obama. No. <laughs> Idiot. You see, this is... This I is, trolled him after that tweet, by the way. I listed everybody that's a Republican. This is Trump <laughs> saying there is no reason for our bad relationship with Russia where it is worse than it has ever been, even including the Cold War. No reason for that. Whoops. No reason. My gestures are knocking my microphone off. Uh, <laughs> no reason for our bad relationship with Russia. And then suddenly, an hour later, oh, there's a reason. Reason. Right. <laughs> There's a reason the bad blood caused caused by the fake and corrupt Russia investigation. No wonder the Trumpers are so fucked in the head. Uh huh. They're, they're like, okay, yeah, no reason, and they run out and they retweet this and they say, yeah, no reason. What's going on? There's no reason for this bad blood. And then before they can even 
get a bunch of tweets out defending their guy. Suddenly Trump tweets again and goes, oh, here's the reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at this. Look what I found. Holy shit. There's the reason. There's the reason. It's the fake and corrupt Russia investigation, he says. <sighs> These two <laughs> things do not go together. You can't say there is no reason and then an hour later say that there is a reason. And then it's, a, it's this ridiculous non-reason. It's not even a reason. There are lots of reasons, but yeah. I mean, I listed uh, in my article, my Banter M article on, on the Daily Banter yesterday, I listed, what, eight or nine reasons? First, we have, mm-hmm. the, of course, the Russian attack on our elections and uh, the hacking and infiltration of our social media and political organizations as part of that attack. That was only number one. Number two is the invasion of Ukraine. Number three, the annexation of Crimea. Number four, human rights abuses and the assassination of political dissidents, including this chemical weapons attack against Sergei Skripal and his daughter, for God's sake. Number five, asylum for Edward Snowden. That was kind of a poke in the eye of the American intelligence establishment. Number six, extensive state-sponsored Olympics doping program. That's not always one that's uh, discussed, but that's certainly one that Vladimir Putin is responsible for that, you know, the rest of the world is pissed off about. Uh, Number seven, aiding Assad's regime in Syria. That's a big one, possibly uh, arming him with chemical weapons. Number eight, rampant money laundering through American sources and Putin's growing kleptocracy. That's another one. Plus, Putin boasted that, you know, these technological advances with his rockets... Mm-hmm. That he's able to evade. They're so American- smart. I know they're so smart. They're the <laughs> smartest weapons. Our yep. weapons are so much smarter than his weapons. <laughs> uh, his smart weapons can evade our uh, American missile defense systems. So it's like those are just a few reasons. Those are the reasons I just came up with off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And uh, but of course, there's no reason. There's no reason. No why, reason. Why, why would be? Why would we be, be mean to Russia? There's no reason to be mean to Russia. Mm-hmm. Except for the, except for Robert Mueller, that's why. Just, you know, it, no wonder they're crazy. No wonder we're all going batshit cuckoo. Mm-hmm. We're just like, oh my god, we're losing our mind. It's just insane. Yeah, and and what what I find interesting because on our show and with Stephanie, we talk about well, what's going to happen when it turns out that the things that we are assuming, like the dossier, say. It's even the PP tape is true. Let's just go that yeah. it's, you know, full Monty true. And then everything else on top of that is also true. Therefore, what is Sean Hannity going to do? He's not going to do anything. He's going to talk about sex crazed pandas like Tucker Carlson. It's like they're not going to discuss it with the people that watch or listen to them because they are complicit. They are helping this out. I don't understand it. I don't yeah. like, do they not see that, that history is not going to look upon them? warmly yeah they're just you would think at this point they would have abandoned ship long ago because i mean it seems so glaringly obvious that donald trump is at the very least an embattled failed presidency yeah there is nothing that can resuscitate this presidency at this point especially because the ongoing rule Trump always makes things worse for Trump. In the case of that meeting with Steve Bannon yesterday, yeah, there's Mm -hmm. a corollary. Bannon always makes things worse for Trump, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone around him makes things worse for Trump. Well, apparently John Kelly was horrified. Did you see the picture on his, the photograph of him at the end of the table yesterday? No. (laughs) Jackie Schechner tweeted it out. She goes, just look at it. Oh my God. And he's got his hand over his face while everybody else looks all happy. It's, it's hilarious. It is so how America looks right now. This is during his Mueller. Oh no, that was, uh, that was during the meeting, I guess that they had yesterday. Somebody tweeted out the bits. If you go to Jackie's Twitter feed, she goes, just do it. Just look. Cause she retweeted somebody else. 
Um, and it, it, it's the last photograph. It's, he's at the long end of the table. He's at the head of it. And his, his face is in his hand. Oh, God. Right. We've seen that before. We've seen that John yeah. Kelly photo before in terms of just in, in other settings, but a similar. Right. A similar expression. Exasperation. And what I find very, and I found this very interesting the last year and some changes, why not impeach him? Put Pence in. Pence is smarter. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. will do everything you want, plus st- some stuff that you haven't even thought of. Um, he's very happy to be that Republican. So I really don't understand. I don't get Trump unless Trump's got so much dirt on everybody and Russia's got so much dirt on everybody else that they're all terrified. Yeah. And it's the pa- only thing that makes sense to me. Paul Ryan mm-hmm. said yesterday that uh, electing Donald Trump was worth it for the tax cuts. Well, any Republican stooge would have done that. Would yeah. have, yeah, would have absolutely voted for that tax bill. But Ted Cruz, Mike Pence, Rand Paul, no whatever one of the other Fiorina, Lindsey Graham, all of them would have. Everybody on the dais, even on the little kids' dais, they would have all voted for that and signed that into law. There was no reason Trump needed to do it in particular. I forgot about the little kids' dais. I forgot about the, <laughs> the split up. Uh, God damn it. God damn and the winner of those primaries ended up becoming president. That it was because insane. there were so many people. Yeah, had it just been him against, say, Cruz, Bush, and Rubio, say, like the the right. den of horribleness, he would not have gotten the votes. Yeah, Bush would have signed it. Rubio would have signed it. They all would have signed that. Yeah. And instead, Paul Ryan ends up rationalizing this guy who's destroying the Republican Party. Good job, Paul Ryan. I mm-hmm. hope he's. I hope history remembers him. Exactly like that, with those terms specifically. Okay, we're going to take one last break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about how Trump tried to fire Mueller once again back in December right after these words. You're not going out to play until you've finished all your homework. Oh, mother scrubber. No dessert until you've eaten your vegetables. <sighs> mother scrubber. Who's mommy's little oogie woogums? Show your mama some love. Give me a kiss. Oh, mother scrubber. You're not going out dressed like that, are you? Oh, mother scrubber. This Mother's Day, celebrate the first woman in your life, the one who taught you everything you know with a special something from Bubble Genius. Like our mother scrubber gift basket loaded with mama-friendly stuff, including our cocoa butter-enhanced Yo Mama bath bar and hippie stench perfume. Or Fresh Pick Suds, a lovely collection of flower soaps for your sweet ma. How about an artsy Bath the Venus bath bar? Bubble Genius has something for the best mother scrubbing mama out there. Yours. BubbleGenius.com Bob Seska This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Yep. All right, if you're, if you're sick and tired of hearing all the commercials on the show, and, and really there are only three. There's three. A lot, lot fewer than a normal radio show, I would say. Uh, but if you're tired of hearing all the commercials, just go to uh, BobSeska.com and click the all caps Patreon link just beneath the logo. 
and go to our Patreon page and subscribe to the show at $1 a month, $5 a month, $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get a bunch of additional bonus content like our postmortem show and the after party show that we do on Fridays. Plus, we take out all the commercials from the free show. So you get a, an entire edition of the free show, multiple editions per week without any commercials. So it's just the clean, it's nothing but content, nothing but net, as they like to say in basketball. I have no idea how that relates to anything. I just try to throw in <laughs> random sports metaphors, even though I don't like sports. Uh, okay, so what are we talking about next? Um, okay, so Trump tried to fire Mueller back in December, uh, which uh, he denied today. He said here, if I wanted to fire Robert Mueller in December, as reported by the failing New York Times, I would have fired him. Just more fake news from a biased newspaper. Uh, Trump is the whiniest person in the face of the earth. Probably the whiniest person older than four <laughs> on the planet. I'm just looking at this phrase, failing New York Times, which he uses all the time. And that's, of course, a lie. I mean, just like right. even his nicknames are lies. The New York Times right. is, New York Times is doing better than ever. I signed up for the first time because of him. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I did. I subscribed to New York Times and the Washington Post right Same after here. the election. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> because I was like, I wasn't, I was, I couldn't do just four articles a month anymore. I needed to, to read more. And right. so I was like, no, I'm going to subscribe. So, in fact, I think because of him, their subscribers, at least digital subscribers, are up. Yeah. Well, so what happened was, Jody, is that, uh, when this article came out, I believe it was in the New York Times. I want to say it was the New York Times originally that said that Deutsche Bank was uh, had, had handed over to Robert Mueller a bunch of documents pertaining to Donald Trump's banking records. And that was reported in December. And then as a result of that, Trump decided, OK, that's it. He's crossed the red line. I'm going to fire Mueller. And then when his advisors or his czars. Uh, told him that Robert Mueller didn't have those banking records because, in fact, Donald Trump doesn't have any banking records with Deutsche Bank, which I don't know if that's entirely true. Donald Trump backed off of the threat to fire Mueller. So it turned out, you know, at least according to this story, that also Robert Mueller told Trump's legal team that he didn't attain a bunch of Trump's uh, banking records from Deutsche Bank. So meanwhile... Joe DeGeneva okay. almost became Trump's uh, head lawyer. He almost took over for John Dowd. In fact, John Dowd resigned because Donald Trump decided he was going to meet with Joe DeGeneva and, and his wife in the Oval Office to potentially hire them for his legal team. And so the Joe DeGeneva shows up with his wife. I want to say her name is Valerie Tonesing. I, I think that's her name. The last name is Tone Tonesing, Tosing. No. Uh, but they showed up and they evidently looked like shit. <laughs> and Trump thought they looked disheveled and shitty, so he decided not to hire them. Meanwhile, he lost his head attorney as a result of this meeting, and he didn't even walk away with an, a replacement pair of attorneys. Because, because he thought, they didn't fit the, the uh, central casting version of lawyers? Yeah, so, so this gets out, and so we now have this public thing, which Trump has not denied, that Trump thought Joe DeGeneva, this Fox News lawyer, looked like shit. And that his wife looked like shit. And yet Joe DeGeneva continues to display this ridiculous fealty to the Mad King. I don't understand this. I don't understand how people who have been publicly wronged by Donald Trump continue to remain loyal. Do you have any explanation for this, Jody? Because I can't, I can't come up with one. It just seems astonishing to me that these people still go to bat for him, beclowning I, themselves. I, 
I don't understand because to me, the longer you associate yourself with him and this cabal, the worse your chances of being a lobbyist, working for anybody else that's got money. I mean, you're you're to use the word taint. You're, you're tainted. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, you're tainted now. I mean, anybody that's <laughs> you know any anybody that's, that's staying with him after. I mean, and it's just getting worse and worse. John Dowd just barely got out in time. I think. Yeah. Well, so I mean, here's what Joe DeGeneva did. He Joe DeGeneva went on Fox News yesterday and referred to Mueller and his team. As legal terrorists, here's a disheveled, shitty-looking Joe DeGeneva from yesterday. Tactics authorized by Mueller and instigated by Mueller in New York with the raid of the Cohen office. And as a result of the manner in which they raided the Paul Manafort home, it is now clear that Mueller is acting in bad faith, that he has surrounded himself with literally a bunch of legal terrorists, and that they are conducting an interim grand jury. They are not interested in getting facts from the president of the United United States through an interview. They are trying to trap him into a perjury trap. Oh, Jesus Christ. Another. You can't be in a perjury trap if you're telling the truth. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Even Trump's own supporters believe he's going to lie to Mueller. That's the, the amazing thing about all of this is that in their defenses of Donald Trump, no matter what level it is, they're basically telegraphing Donald Trump's guilt, which also makes me wonder if they're doing it deliberately. If this is a way to do a backdoor kind of criticism of Donald Trump to kind of implant some of these ideas in the heads of Fox News viewers. I mean, if you yeah, were see, they don't understand that you have to lie to be caught in a trap yeah. for perjury. They don't understand they, they don't understand that if you speak truthfully to a police officer or an FBI agent or on the stand. Yeah. There is no perjury because you're telling the truth. The only way you get caught perjuring yourself is if you lie. You know, I was kind of blown away earlier today listening to a podcast, and and it was a it was a conservative podcast and one of the more popular ones at that. Uh, ben Shapiro. I don't know if you know Ben uh -huh. Shapiro. He does a podcast, and it's I don't know. It's in the top ten of news and politics on uh, on iTunes. Which, by the way, another reason get us back on the iTunes rankings, everybody. Please go yeah. and support us on iTunes because there's no reason why Ben Shapiro should be in the top ten, and that we're not even listed currently in the uh, top two hundred rankings. There's we need to correct that situation. Yeah. But so I was listening to Ben Shapiro this morning, and he was actually kind of saying the same things we are. Like, oh, now, wait a minute. This uh, this raid of Michael Cohen's office seems like it was on the level and, and authorized by people who Donald Trump appointed uh, in these various posts tasked with uh, approving these search warrants and so on. You know, he kind of understands the legalities of all of this. And, you know, why isn't this is this really getting through? Is this how they're talking? Are they privately saying I guess there's some validity to all these things. I guess there's some reason for uh, Mueller to be moving forward, for this uh, U.S. attorney in the Southern District of New York to be moving forward mm -hmm. with an investigation there, too. There's a reason and a completely legal explanation for how they were able to attain all these documents from Trump's lawyer, how that circumvented attorney-client privilege with the, uh, the crime fraud exception. And he even explained, he said, like, he was referring to, Ben Shapiro was referring to his producers, said, you know, if we go out and do a drug deal, let's say this guy's my lawyer, and my lawyer and I go out, we do a drug deal, none of that would be covered under attorney-client privilege because it was in the process of committing a crime. Exactly. Commit it's only pre past crimes that the lawyer-client privilege 
exists. If yeah. you're committing a crime and telling your lawyer about it, then he or she is is potentially complicit and or helping you. That's against the law. They have to report that. They are officers of the court. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking that Trump supporters who listen to this podcast are going, not this podcast, but the Ben right. Shapiro podcast are going, la, 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 not oh, listening, yeah. la, 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 la. How else would they be able to hear all of that information and still go, oh, yeah, it's a witch hunt. These are illegal terrorists. Clearly, Joe DeGeneva is an illegal terrorist. They're terrorizing Michael Cohen and Donald Trump using their, you know, legal things. <laughs> is, it, is it like legal terrorism? Is that even, it's like, a, it's like back when Jonah Goldberg was trying to market the idea of liberal fascism. Yeah. These, these two things don't go together. You can't have legal terror because terrorism is illegal right and what they're doing is completely covered in numerous laws of course the uh u.s attorney manual also describes being able to attain search warrants for attorney information of, with the crime oh there she goes. i lost you there you are there she goes and now she's back hello <laughs> Uh, Jody Hamilton, hello. And so, hello. anyway, so the, the, the ultimate point here is that I don't know how they're justifying all this crap in their heads. I don't know how the Trumpers are continuing to to go to sleep at night or look at themselves in the mirror and go, oh, it's a witch hunt and legal terrorism. Right. Okay, so uh, this is also fascinating. We'll just wrap up with this. As a Republican-backed ad aired in support of Robert Mueller, these are Republicans who purchased this ad. The, the, the group is called ruleoflawrepublicans.com. Wow. And, and they ran an ad this morning on Fox and Friends. Yeah. Uh-oh. Fox and Friends. And as Do you we, think that 45 saw that and freaked out? I don't, you know what? I don't know that he watches commercials on Fox and Friends. <laughs> My funny. hunch is unless he's... Because usually he watches on his Super DVR or whatever it is, his Super TiVo. And so he either fast forwards through commercials or if he's watching live cable television, cable news, then he probably flips around on the commercial break. So there's a chance he didn't see it. But this was actually, I think this is geared more toward Trump supporters. So, you know, if you're a Republican and you're seeing an ad during Fox and Friends about protecting the Mueller investigation, that's going to have some influence. And already there's not a single group of uh, American voters who think the Mueller investigation, at least by uh, less than a majority should be shut down. I mean, everyone supports Republicans, independents, Democrats all support Robert Mueller continuing with his investigation, which is maybe one of the reasons why Donald Trump hasn't fired Mueller. You know, at this point, I honestly think that Donald Trump will try to fire Mueller either through firing Rosenstein or any of the other things that we've been uh, speculating about just to call the bluffs of the people who say he's not going to do it. Just say, oh, yeah, you know what, suckers? Here we go. Fight. You're fired. You're fired. I, you know, there's part of me who thinks, Jody, in the back of my head, I'm going, Donald Trump is so deluded and loopy that I bet he thinks that this is all like just a show. Like he's just he's getting through this by uh, locking his brain into, well, I'm just doing kind of a more elaborate real life version of The Apprentice. So when it comes to firing people, that's kind of my brand. I kind of fire people. And even though I'm too much of a coward to do it directly most of the time, uh, I, that's still my thing. That's still the expectation that people have of me. My, all of my fans know me from saying, you're fired. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I think, what drives him 
to this level of intrigue. Like, is he going to fire him? Is he not going to fire him? Tune in next week to The Celebrity Apprentice and find out what happens to Meatloaf and Gary Busey and Robert Mueller and Rod Rosenstein. And so I think to a certain extent, he's playing this like a TV show where he's building up that dramatic tension before he does something. Not, you know, we never know. Is he going to zig or is he going to zag? It's the same thing with Syria. Okay, so uh, that brings up a whole other can of worms, Syria and all of that. Uh, plus, we have some more administration departures. Rachel's going to need a bigger board. We're going to talk about all of this on the post-mortem show coming up. You heard me talking about our Patreon page. Go to bobseska.com. It's the all-caps Patreon link just beneath the logo. It takes you to our Patreon page where you can sign up at $1 a month, $5 a month, $10 a month, or $15 a month and get various bonuses, bonus content based on those subscription packages. So go and do that right now. The Postmortem Show, you can get that at just $5 a month, and that's two Postmortem Shows per week, which we record right after this music stops playing. All right, go and do that. Meanwhile, some uh, some plugs here at the end of the show. Jody Hamilton can be found at from-the-bunker.com. Thank you again, Jody. It's uh, always my pleasure, Bob. Stephanie Miller shows at stephaniemiller.com. Buzz Burbank's at buzzburbank.com. The Mark and Lowell show with uh, Mark Ronick and Lowell Meltzer can be found at realmnetwork.com. And we thank Mark Ronick for helping us with ads on this show. You know, I, I've never really thanked Mark Ronick, but he's the guy who buys all of the ads. Harry's Razors, uh, Blue Apron, of course, today, eHarmony, uh, Seed Geek, uh, Beachbody On Demand. All of our best sponsors here on the show come through. Our friend Mark Ronick from the Mark and Lowell Show at RealmNetwork.com. Uh, Jackie Schechner's at InvestigateRussia.org. Kimberly Johnson can be found at Patreon.com slash StartMeUp, where this week they talked to Scott Dworkin. If you've been following Trump Russia at all on Twitter, Scott Dworkin's a go-to guy for everything Trump Russia related, and he broke some news on Kimberly Johnson's show with Steph Walton. So go listen to... Kimberly and Steph at patreon.com slash start me up. David Ferguson's at facebook.com slash ban and at patreon.com slash the T-Rex report. All right, that's the show this week. We'll see you on the after party tomorrow with Kimberly Johnson. And we'll be back with more show uh, right after this music stops playing with Jody Hamilton on the postmortem show. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.